We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. challenges kind of spinning around in my head for the last few weeks and I wanted to kind of share that thought for you which is it's a little bit meandering it's kind of gone all over the place but in both cases of the two philosophical topics I've looked at they've kind of converged in one particular message which is what I want to offer you guys today and I've invited Sally, Elliot and my dad to kind of Tell, tell us their journey, which I think emphasises the points that I'm going to now make, partly because they fed into the meanderings to get me there in the, get me there in the first place. I've asked Nick to kind of help us facilitate it in some way. Um, so we'll see, we'll see where we get to. Um, so my, my first philosophical that I was thinking about was the sharper witness. And... Though we, it has been a while since we spoke about the sharper witness, like we first started talking about it a year ago, we've not stopped because we don't feel that God's finished with that yet. And so my question was, what do we need to be doing to further embrace what God's called us to do in terms of sharp, uh, having a sharper witness? So I listened to this podcast series recently, which um, tracked kind of like the rise and fall of new atheism. And what appears to be a a trend within some quarters of society, um, that there's a rebirth in this belief in God. It's like even some secular thinkers are kind of edging towards this idea of, yes, there's got to be something of value, particularly in Christianity. And I thought, ah, maybe this is what God's given us for the sharper witness stuff. I thought, so do we need to teach around this topic? But then I thought, what am I saying? Would I actually stand up here and say, hey, guys, it's okay. You can come out your hiding places now because Christianity's cool again. <laughs> oh, well, no, I, I don't think I'd ever encourage you to go into a hiding place in the first place. In fact, we're not ashamed of the gospel and we'd pick up our cross and follow him even if that meant to the point of death. So then my, my meandering thought kind of suddenly took a left turn and I started thinking about, okay, what, what does it look like in my own life? What, what am I experiencing when it comes to um, opportunity to sharpen my witness to other people? So I, I live and work in the church. So most of you guys that I spend most of my time with already have witnessed God for yourself. And so I'm thinking, okay, well, where, where does it, it touch down? But... My son, Arthur, absolutely loves football. And because he loves football, it meant that we joined a football team. And because we joined a football team, it meant that I joined the the coaching staff. So I am now the assistant to the assistant coach. (laughs) Nick Nick said, don't lead with that. (laughs) But um, my lofty position is to run the substitutes, which is incredibly political. Okay, and I spent three hours working on a spreadsheet one night so I didn't get yelled at by parents for not putting their kids on for long enough. But being part of this club has given me opportunities to share my faith with different people. And so one particular example, when I first started going along to training, no one really spoke to you 
And so you just turn up and you release your, your child into the, into the wild and you just stand there for the next hour. And there's dotted parents around and certain conversation and you're thinking, I don't know who you are. And the coach was not probably the most kind of outward going kind of talk, give you any information. And you just kind of turn up at places and hope you got it right. So once I began to scavenge a little bit of information, I thought, oh, well, let me share the bits that I've got and start walking across the divide and starting conversations. And one training session, I saw this, this father sitting on his own. So I went over and I introduced myself. This led to a conversation that then led to me getting him Tim Keller's book, Reasons for God, that has now led to us doing a Bible study together. And so when I think about this, I kind of, I was thinking about what, what is the path that has gone through? Well, I see a guy on his own. I go across, I start a conversation. That conversation has turned into a Bible study. So I can follow that, but I thought, you know what? There was something behind getting to that point. So I worked it backwards and I thought, well, before that, it bothered me to see people on their own. I didn't like being on my own and maybe other people wouldn't like that. And I thought, but even behind that, there was something. So what was behind that? Well, I have witnessed a God who was willing to step out of, uh, step into my world rather than leave us alone. That, that's what I've experienced. He left heaven to come to earth because he didn't want me to be alone. And so I began to realize, you know what? There's actually a, a hope behind the behavior that I did here. I didn't need to know that faith is now becoming fashionable again. I didn't need to know the seven steps of conversation that you've got to have for someone to be converted. I didn't need to be an expert on anything. All I was doing was celebrating who God has shown me he is. And I get to celebrate that every single day and in every situation God has shown me that he loves me in his death and his resurrection. And now he's invited me to be part of his mission to show what he's like in this world. So I get to do this in the microcosm of an uh, under-age football team. But you guys are all probably doing stuff like this wherever you are. You might just not necessarily take the time to think why you do it. And I think that's one of the things that God's inviting us to. That's the invite today is, what is the hope that is behind that? And God wants that to become a celebration for us. So what is your microcosm? It might be your staff room, where you're, if you're a teacher, you've got all the other teachers that try and outdo with, do each other on how difficult their timetable is this year. I can't imagine any teachers would ever experience that. What is your hope in that situation that brings a joy that leads to you acting different in that situation. Maybe you're in a college where all of your uh, colleagues just want to gossip and backbite the whole time. It's not just about correcting a behavior. You have a hope to celebrate that could cause you to be different in that situation. So that was my philosophical one. My philosophical two that I started meandering on, was this idea of, okay, so sometime back I've talked about maintaining the movement. So what started us as Lifeline along the journey that we're on? What's going to keep that going? 
And we identified there was this, this thing called discipleship that needed to, to happen. And so in order for us to keep the movement going, each of us needs to witness the same God that the founders witnessed that started them on the pilgrimage. We need to see the same thing. It needs to grip us like it gripped them because God never intended that one person would experience him and the rest of us have to live off their stories. In the same way, you see in the Old Testament, Moses went up the mountain, he got the experience of God and then he took down the law and the people had to try and live it out. But that wasn't God's intention. He was preparing everyone to access him in the mountain. It was the people that refused to do that. So I don't want us to just try and to, to teach instructions or processes and procedures when what he wants us all to do is to witness who he is and experience that. And it says in Jeremiah, each will know me from the least to the greatest. That is his invitation, that is his promise. And so my role is not just to teach, but is to journey with you up the mountain. I want you to get to experience, get to see who he is. And that journeying together is what I would call discipleship. But when I asked a number of our leaders or our veterans, what, do you th what does discipleship look like in your life right now? It got very vague. And I was kind of concerned that, one, it wasn't really happening. And two, our interpretation of discipleship was leading to individuals to overlook a lot of great relationships they already had to find something that was much more formal, much more intense and structured. And this helped me realize what I really wanted us to do is to give ourselves generously to all the people that God has connected us with. And so then as I started to think about it, I thought, I guess I'm just talking about family, family together, where we, we are interested in what God's doing in the child, where we're interested in what God's doing with the OAP, where we're interested in what God's doing with our peer. We don't have to formalize and exclude and write off certain relationships. They're all in play. They're all of value. And so I started to, to, to realize again my 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 thought, my meandering thought took a left turn because I started to think through, it's not about teaching the discipleship material once again. It's again about celebrating who I've witnessed him to be wherever I am. Whichever friendships I've got in the church, whether that's someone that I'm seeing every day or is part of my household or whether it's someone that I'm serving coffee with, I want to be able to journey with you through where you're going. And that means that if, for instance, we're serving together, I've witnessed his love, his loving service of me that inspires me to serve you. That's the hope behind it. So if I come across someone that's just doing it out of duty, oh, I'm on the rotor, I've just got to do it, it's not enough that I just, well, you, that shouldn't be your attitude. That's, that's just giving them a procedure or process. I want to take you to witness, to witness he who I've witnessed 
that because his loving service has touched my life, it's transformed me, he wants to transform you in that experience. I want you to witness and live from what you've witnessed, what has changed your life. So, I believe you've got an invitation today. And that invitation is inviting you to celebrate who you have witnessed him to be wherever you are. Whether that's with an under-8s football team, whether that's with the person that you see every day in your, in your family, whether that's colleagues at work, whether it's uh, people in the church. God is inviting us to live out of the, the, the joy of who we've witnessed him to be. The thing about this invitation is it does have an RSVP. He's looking for your response to this. So if we break down this statement a little bit. So celebrate who, we, who you have witnessed him to be wherever you are. So first of all, I'll start with the witness thing. So a witness, you're called to be a witness if you have seen something or experienced something, heard something or felt something. Because you have touched it, you are called forward to, to talk about what you've seen. You wouldn't be called to the witness stand if you're telling some, what someone else has seen. He calls us to be his witnesses throughout the whole world. Okay, so witness is about what you've personally touched. When you see him, it causes you to desire him, to want him. That's more than just in your head. That's, that's your whole being. And it leads you to become more like him. When you see him, you become more like him. To celebrate. Celebrate talks about joy. Something welling up from inside. It's an appreciation that some, something's valuable. I wouldn't celebrate the birthday of someone that I wish wasn't alive. It's because they're valuable to me, I want to celebrate and join that celebration. I believe God is inviting those of us that have kind of dulled your joy, that have kind of got into routine. He wants you to enjoy him. Wherever you are, whether it's the football club, the workplace, the church community, Wherever you are, he's inviting you to that. What do you need God to do in you today so that you can celebrate what you've witnessed him to be? Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I'm not sure if I've ever witnessed him. If that's your answer, that's a step in the right direction. Because God wants you to see him. The very fact that you're thinking, I would like to see him, is already God at work in you. Maybe you're thinking, I have witnessed him, I know it was real, but the joy has somewhat diminished. It might be, well, I don't have anywhere where it's appropriate. Well, maybe God wants to talk to you about the anywheres today. So I've asked Sally, Elliot, and my dad to talk a little bit about their journey, and we're going to kind of try and draw that out of each other, um, and hopefully that will be of help to you. Um, so, Nick, I'm going to move this out. Cool. So, Sally, particularly uh, just off the back of what Jamie shared in the area of discipleship, you've been on a bit of a journey. Would you be able to give us a little bit of an insight into what you've been thinking? 
Yeah. Um, so I'm part of the implementers leadership team, and Jamie had been talking to us about discipling, who we're discipling, and he kept using this term, who are you throwing your mantle over? And I realised that I'd just got to the point where I think I got caught up with a lot of stuff that had been going on for us as a family. I realised that I was, I'd got a bit jaded. Um, so what it says up there about celebrating, I couldn't, couldn't really have said that I was really feeling that I had much to celebrate. I knew intellectually in my head that I had, but I, it wasn't that overflow. Um, and I found myself thinking, well, I don't even really know if I have a mantle to throw over anybody. Um, and it kind of culminated in a conversation with Jamie, which is just really annoying, because whereas, you know, you might have a conversation and then, you know, oh, that's how you're feeling, oh, that's a shame, hope that changes. It really wasn't like that. So it was like drilling into, so why do you think you feel like that? What do you think has happened? Do you think that there's been a disappointment? You, and I'm thinking, oh, I, it just really, it was stuff that really kind of like went straight to the heart, really. But I didn't really feel like I had an answer. Um, and then the most annoying thing that he said was... Um, do you think it might be about needing a heart change? And I think I realised I had quite a reaction to that because as a church community, we really hold in as very precious having the right heart towards God and towards one another. And so to be challenged on whether or not my heart needs to change felt um, difficult, really. And I had to process that, but then come to the conclusion that actually that's... God, God isn't saying your heart needs to change and standing there and, you know, being threatening. He's, he's offering me an opportunity to come into a place of repentance, and that's a gift that he gives us. So that was really the point that I had to come to and say, Lord, I recognize I need my, my heart to be softened, I need more compassion, and only you can do that, and thank you for giving me this opportunity, because of course I want to be somebody who disciples others and leads others, and I want to celebrate who you are, but I know that I need that fundamental shift. And it's not necessarily a huge shift, it's just sometimes John in the past has talked about that touch on the tiller, just need a little change of direction again, but it can't be me pulling myself up by my bootstraps. So, as you're one of the kind of key leaders in the church, so Jamie's challenged you about your heart. You're not out like robbing banks, you're not necessarily doing okay. like the, the sins that could kind of make you could make a movie script out of, but this. Don't mention the drugs. Don't mention the drugs, John said. Okay, yeah, so we're moving on. <laughs> was there any, you, you've ex explained it a bit, but I just wonder, what was that process? So from Jamie kind of telling you, is this something in your heart? And you get into that point of, God, 
I do need something to change. What, what did that look like and how did maybe being a leader yeah. play a part in that? So I think it was that recognition of... Yes, yeah, so it was none of those things that you mentioned, but I think it was probably played out in staying where I was comfortable, being reluctant to reach out, because what if, what if I want to throw my mantle over someone, but they're saying, sorry, <laughs> didn't, didn't know you had a mantle, what are you talking about, you know, and why would I want yours? And oh, it was those kinds of feelings of, well, who am I to um, kind of think that I've got some, something to offer to other people? But that's just really a position of pride. And actually, all I can do is live in that celebration of who he is and invite others to join. And it's more that getting alongside and putting an arm around the shoulder rather than thinking, OK, I am now going to disciple you. Would you like that? You know, because that's weird. And I think I'd... Well, I don't know what I'd say if someone said that to me. But I, I would be happy for someone to come alongside an arm around the shoulder, show interest, walk with me on my journey, and hopefully impart wisdom that they have, because they've been doing this for longer than me. Or, but even just with my friends, you know, to have those really meaty conversations where we're not just staying on the surface, but we're digging deeper and walking with each other. So just so I'm understanding, as you then got to that point of God, I need, I need that change. He started to show you a totally new way, like you're saying, of what you maybe were formalizing in your head, all the ways and areas and places and people that he was already yeah. putting you in. Yeah, in I mean, because part of the conversation with. with Jamie was, I said, well, tell me about some of the people that you are spending time with. And there was quite a list. And he was going, well, that sounds like... You know, there's quite a lot going on. But I had dismissed a lot of that. Um, but also I felt that God started to put people on my heart. And the thing that I, my prayer has, that, has been, Lord, help me to hold people in my heart. You know, rather than think, I have to find some people to disciple, get alongside. Just help me increase my love, increase my compassion. Help me to hold those people in my heart so that I text or phone or spend time with them um, and just let his compassion flow rather than thinking it has to look like this formalised it's not a project, people aren't projects I should have just said Jamie, Elliot, John if you want to say anything at any point um, any questions or, or thoughts please feel free it seems to me listening to, to Sally there that something, something had to change inside. She talked about a change of heart. I think that's a very, very key thing. From the ought to to the want to. Um, it doesn't sound very much. And we often can't do it. But promise God that's what he does. He changes our heart. And changes it from ought to to want to. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's kind of shifted? What's... I just said, really, I feel a sense of release from that ought to. Because every time the subject came up before, I felt a bit panicky. 
oh, I've got to have something to say. I need to be able to give a list of what I'm doing and who I'm spending time with. And I just don't feel that, really. Yeah. Um, thinking about Sally's story. I heard, heard about these, this team that we sent, I think it was to Zimbabwe, where the toilet they were using was a latrine, a long drop. So um, not the plumbing system that we're used to. And one of the team members accidentally dropped their torch <laughs> down, 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 slaps. And um, so over the week, this torch become slightly duller and duller. Not because the batteries, batteries were <laughs> because, because there are certain other things falling on top of that light. And I want you to visualise that image to help you remember something. And uh, the way that Sally's talking is that I think that she has witnessed God, she's experienced something, but the crack of life has slightly fallen on top of her light over time. But God loves her too much to leave her in that state. From, from our perspective, she was still doing a great lot of, lot, of, lot of good for us. She was very loyally, diligently fulfilling her role. God loved her too much to just leave her like that. So if you feel there's something that's obscured your light a little bit, there's something that's taken the edge off your celebration, this invitation is for you, because what's, what I see now in Sally is an energy, a joy, all of the things that come from when we have witnessed him. And that's something that I thank God for doing in, in uh, Sally's life. Cool, yeah. Thank you, Sally. Um, so, Elliot, where, where do you think you kind of fit into the, the, the picture? What, what's been going on for you? Yeah, so my journey began in June of 2022, where Jamie tried to engage me in helping plan a sermon on <clears throat> the evidence for the resurrection. Um, I thought it was... Were you really excited by that, yeah? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as, as much as the Baden exhibits excitement, I was taking the cue that he was excited about it. I was, I was excited, but it didn't like, it didn't grab me. Like I wasn't, like I felt like Jamie was really passionate about it, and I just I didn't have the same passion for it. Um, and then in June 2023, like I can't really explain. So did you did you avoid Jamie for a year? Yeah, because we've gone from June 2022 <laughs> to June 2023. I've been there before, don't yeah. I? So. <laughs> no, but maybe. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so in June 2023, something sort of changed in me. Um, I can't really put my finger on what it was, but I just had like a desire to not just be a bystander. Um, so yeah, I became more determined to discover more about the church, um, where we came from and sort of what we believe as a church. And yeah, so speaking to Jamie about this, he tasked me to find out the values of the church and tell me which ones I would sacrifice for. Um, so firstly, I sort of thought, wait, what are the values of the church? Um, 
yeah, and then I realized I wasn't prepared to sacrifice for any. They were sort of like nice values, but none of them really like resonated with so me. So you wouldn't necessarily, you would have said that they were good things, yeah. but when it came to, if it was a, a situation where you really had to put your something of value to you on the line, you wouldn't have necessarily. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then he pointed out if the current leadership disappeared and I was left, then I had no basis to keep the movement going, which sort of struck me as like, I want to I wanna be a part of keeping the movement going. I don't just want to be someone who watches everyone else do it. Um, so yes. what, do you think, yeah, what do you think needed to happen then? I felt as if I personally had to witness what everyone else was seeing um, because then I had sort of a, a reason and more of a desire to get to that same stage as everyone else. Cool. So what we, in a conversation we realized Elliot needed to have that experience. Now, every time I've experienced God, whenever I've witnessed him, it's always been very personal, very relevant to my situation. So I was thinking, what is it that's going to be the mountain on which God touch, touches down in Elliot's life? And that's when you talked about your, your entry exams. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I applied for university this year which meant I had to do an entrance exam, which like, I worked really hard for, um, but it didn't go to plan, so I didn't do as well as I had hoped, which initially was a big like, shock to me because there hadn't really been a time where I felt my like, academic future was not in my hands, but because of the exam, it now was. Um, so I was very anxious about it. And then Jamie showed me this video, which we, we, I think can we, we have. Can we flick yeah. back to the PowerPoint just to show this video? We have seen it before, but it's such a good one and it makes the point so well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice and easy. Just head on out whenever you're ready. Are you ready to go ahead and, yeah. and drive? Okay. Yeah, sure. Whoa. <laughs> that's all right. Oh, a little more than I'm used to. Yeah. It's got some power, so just get a feel for it. Okay. Okay, all right. He's off just a little. He's up. So I was thinking a lot more age on me, some wrinkles, a little dorky. Maybe some facial hair. Maybe somebody that I can pull off a, a fun prank with. <laughs> Let's go have some fun. My good friends at Pepsi Max have hooked us up with this cool cam cam. So these are the glasses cam to show you everything that I see. How you doing? Hello. I'm Mike. Steve, nice to meet you, Mike. I saw you sort of gravitated towards the Camaro. You thinking about getting one? Oh, no, no, no. This, this. Way too much car for me. I'm well. It's a lot of power, but they've designed it to be very safe. I don't know if I can handle it. I, I've never driven anything like this before. Well, I, I tell you what. I think a way to really make you feel comfortable would be to put you behind the wheel. You're good. <laughs> what are you driving now? Oh, just a minivan. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, what am I you're signing not here? You're you're not, sure? It's just a checkout sheet for a test drive. You're not obligated to anything. It's just so we know who's out. Let's go give it a drive. You're getting a little nervous. No, I'll be right there beside you. There are your keys, sir. Thank you, Steve. You'll have to unlock it, Mike. Oh, yeah. thank you. There we go. Oh, yeah. What a car. Mm -hmm. Well, we better buckle up. Yeah, good call. Power. Power door locks. Standard, of course. You are liable for any damages to the vehicle, so please stop the car. Slow, or at least slow down. Slow down. Slow down. You can't go through that gate, Mike. Stop! 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 You're gonna wreck this card. You're liable for it if you wreck it. Mike, stop the car! Stop the car right now! Shut up here! This is a camera. Here's a camera. There's cameras. Look, it was all just fun. Look, I'm Jeff Gordon. So. <laughs> so what, what I love about that video is the guy is absolutely petrified. He's, it, it's terrifying. Once he realizes who was behind the wheel, he says, let's do it again. What was petrifying before becomes an adventure. In the same way, Elliot was explaining he was really anxious about the life that he, was, that he had in front of him. And what I wanted him to have is an experience or a revelation of who's behind the wheel of his life. So what was ter terrifying becomes an adventure. So off the back of that video, what was you realizing from what was God showing you? Um, yeah, God sort of showed me that he's He's already planned it all out, so wherever I end up doesn't really matter because that's where he's got for me to be. So I felt like, a, like such peace about it, knowing that it's not in my control anymore. And, and this was an ongoing conversation every, every week or so. I'd check in with Elliot, like, how, how, how are you doing on getting an experience of who's behind your will? And when Elliot's saying to me, I feel more at peace in the situation. I said, that's great, but that's not an experience of who the driver is yet. That's the gift. I want you to see the giver. I want you to know peace, but I want you to see the Prince of Peace. And so the journey up the mountain with Elliot needed to continue because until he's seen, he can't celebrate who he's seen. He can just 
give testimony about one situation. That's not enough yet. Uh, Sally, John, I don't know if you've got any questions. Oh, sorry. Go on, John. Give the ability to do his will and recognizing we can't. he can and he will and he does. There's something that God does that causes us to just want it different. That's God at work in us. He never, he never goes against our will, he gave us our will, but it's at that point, it's like. Uh, Something is equipped from within to cause us to see and to want something different. Yeah. So a question for us to think about, particularly thinking about Elliot experiencing that peace. And that is an invitation for Elliot to, to see, to know, to meet with the, the giver, the God of peace. So for us, how do we keep looking beyond the gift to the giver? Have Elliot, have you got an answer to that? Hopefully. Um, for me, it was, so first I wanted to understand more about who God has said that he is. So I did this by writing down things that I was thankful for, which initially started as just practical things. Um, but then Jamie challenged me to think about what does this show me about the nature of God. Um, and then through this, I was constantly reminded of like where God's been in my life and yeah, and how he's already shown himself to me. So it allowed me to sort of rejoice in what he's already done. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Can I just yeah, yeah. Just um, hearing Elliot's story, um, there's, it, it's just been so important to be able to journey that with, with Jamie because it seems to be, because Jamie's asking you those questions. And so I think it's very encouraging for us to be thinking about, well, who, who are we journeying with? And it doesn't take away from the fact that Elliot had to really seek God for himself, but having someone who's walking alongside him has been, sounds as though it's been a really key part of the journey. And Jamie, just a question for you. What caused you, did Elliot fall on a list that was given to you that suddenly is like, okay, let me, let me check in. How, how did that relationship develop? I've always appreciated talking to Elliot back when he was in the youth because Elliot Gate would tell me what I didn't want to hear about how dreadful a session was that I'd planned or how boring a series is that we're doing. And so I always trusted his opinion. So I'd kind of got a bit of rapport, but I was bothered that there wasn't any spark for him. And so that's why I tried to engage him with the, with the sermon. And I concluded, yeah, that, that didn't really work. And so I kind of, I stepped back for a little bit. And so then he initiated the contact in June this year. And I thought, oh gosh, I hear something different in him this time. And I've, what I was saying earlier is I want to give generously to whoever I come into contact with. It's not my job to make them bite or, or pull, but I could feel a pull from Elliot. He wanted something, and so then I could go to the next level. But I've got to pace that based on what he wants. But um, I, I think, for me, there is something that I have seen in who God is 
I was the kid that grew up in the church that assumed that I'd just accepted everything because I've grown up within this church. My parents are leaders. Elliot's parents are leaders. He's grown up in the church. He's not doing drugs. He's not... <laughs> he's not part of gangs. He's not in any danger of those, those, those harms. He's fairly moral. But that's not enough. Because what God has shown me is greater than that. And so as I celebrate who I've seen God to be, it's natural for me to want to journey with Elliot for him to have that experience. Cool. So, John, we were chatting a little while back, and you were saying in your life currently, uh, your current day-to-day, you're not really getting many opportunities to be out in the world, as it were, uh, sharing the gospel. And you were kind of sharing about times when you'd worked as a, as a stockbroker previously, when, when opportunities seemed to be there uh, all the time. But as we started kind of discussing more and more, you realized that actually you, you were still currently and have always been able to take opportunities to share about God wherever you are. Could you maybe tell us a bit yeah, more? Yeah, we don't go clubbing so often now. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, um, I don't get a lot of interaction with people outside, except for I have lots of people come um, to do with uh, um, medical things, you know, OTs and physios and MND coordinators. And I just find, I kind of, kind of, what shall I say, dangle things. I introduce things and... Uh, talk about who we are, what we do. Whatever God gives me to just, it's like a kind of setting out something and just see who bites on it. And uh, so looking really for what God is doing. And if there's nothing happening, well, okay, move on to the next thing. But constantly seeing where God is leading in that and gaining the opportunity to actually um, share the goodness of the gospel. And why do you do that? What, what makes you want to do that? See, that's a very interesting question. It's something inside. I, I don't sit down to do it. It's just something... Hmm, could be God. It's God who works in us. Again, both to create the desire and give the ability to do his will. So I kind of feel that, yeah, that's, that's God at work. Mm. Yeah. So you grew up in a church environment where you, there was very much the feeling of you yeah, should share very, the gospel. Yeah, it was very different. And uh, it, was, uh, it was kind of very expected, very imposed. It's almost you're going to place with God if you, I mean, if you, led somebody to Jesus, you got like a special place in heaven or something like that. It was very much what you ought to do and what you had to do and what was expected. In other words, it was legally imposed rather than something that was stirring from within. And it didn't work. It didn't work when people were trying to reach me like that. And it certainly didn't work when... We were reaching out. Yeah, there were initial connections, but something has to be um, 
following what the Spirit of God is doing. And uh, that's where I come back to saying, I think this is not something that can be imposed. In this church, you are expected to um, reach out and share Jesus with six people a week. Well, six in the week and, of course, two extra on Sunday. So um, It just doesn't work. It's not God. It's something that stirs within of the, of the Spirit of God and the grace of God and the life of God, the love of God, that motivates us and moves us in that direction. And the good news is, that's what God wants to do. The good news is, it's not about my trying, it's about saying, Lord, I want, I want to reflect your heart. Wherever I am, whatever situation I'm in, to be able to say, uh, Lord, let my heart beat with your heart. Uh, and uh, then we're dependent on him doing in us, creating desires, uh, causing us to, to move where he wants us to move in terms of our time, our energy, of people we contact and all these things. Um, we're in his hands. But the thing is, it, it is turning from not ought to to want to. So, hopefully through what you're hearing today, you're hearing that there's an invite for you too, just like our friends here have experienced. If my job, if God has selected me to glorify him, to make him known to this world, John Piper used this great phrase, something like, um, God is most glorified, God is made most clearly known when I find my deepest joy in him. And so he loves us too much to leave us like Sally in loyal duty. He loves us too much to leave us like Elliot as someone that's kind of within a church that is moral, that knows the code that we're meant to live by. He loves us too much. He wants us to celebrate him and enjoy him. And so maybe you're here today and thinking, I don't think I've witnessed the driver behind the wheel yet. I don't, I don't know who he is. Well, you've got an invitation from him today to know that. Perhaps you've grown up in the church. Perhaps every, every, the stories that you share are someone else's stories, or they're very much confined to a particular event, but God wants you to know him beyond that. Maybe you have had those experiences, but that light has been kind of obscured by life and what's going on and disappointment like Sally was talking about. Well, in Psalm 51 verse 12, it says, Restore for me the joy of my salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That's his invitation today. He wants you to come back to that place of enjoying. Like the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, when they're reflecting, that was Jesus that was talking to us. Do you remember? Because were our hearts not burning within us? That's more than just knowing it in your head. Something that comes out from inside. Do you want to know that again? Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I, I just don't have the circumstances in my life. My wherever I am is too small now. Well, John was realizing, no, my wherever has just changed. Maybe I'm not stockbroking. Maybe I'm not at the nightclubs like I used to be. 
but I still have an opportunity to celebrate who I've witnessed him to be wherever I am, whoever God brings across my path. And so that is the invite for you today as we wrap up. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK.